0: Everybody has a story. It's like I'm Oprah and I've got a talk show, but everybody's got a story. And I'm starting a little thing called My Money Story. And it's going to be fun. We're going to hear about people's stories that we can learn from. So, Mel, thanks for joining us on My Money Story on My Millennial Money. You're welcome. Now, for everybody at home, we are sitting in the United States. In Columbus, Ohio, and you've had, and you've had a bit of a listen to my Millennial Money before, haven't you?
1: Oh, I have. I actually have a terrible story.
0: Yeah. What What's that story? It's actually funny, and I, I actually, I've kept forget to tell people about this story. So, what happened?
1: Well, um, I was driving, listening to my Millennial Money, and there was a part that was so hilarious that I was laughing so hard that I missed um, a sign telling me that the speed limit had changed. And I was out in the countryside um, outside of Columbus, Ohio, so I thought that the speed limit was pretty high. So I was zooming along, laughing hysterically at my millennial money, and a police car was driving in the opposite direction, and he was waving at me. And I thought, how friendly. All of these American police officers just are amazing. And so he waved to me and I waved back and then all of a sudden he spun around and put his sirens on and pulled me over. Apparently I was going 25 over.
0: 25 miles. Yes, that's 25 a 25
1: miles over. But my millennial money is that funny that it distracted me that much that I was having such a good time. Did
0: he give you a fine?
1: No, he didn't because he was trying to be all hardcore and he said to me, uh, did you see me waving at you? And I said, yeah, I just thought you were being friendly. And then he broke out laughing and he couldn't be the bad cop anymore and he just waved me on. So How funny. All's, all's well that ends well.
0: Exactly. Now, for those playing at home, that's 40 kilometres an hour over. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyway, so Mel, you're a mother of three. Yeah. Zach, who's 17. Toby, who's 14. Evie, who's 12. Okay. What is, is your... What is your first memory about money?
1: Mm. My first memory of money actually was a weird one because I'd stolen stuff from the news agent and I because I just wanted it. Yeah. And I remember my mum making me return it and shamefully standing in front of the lady giving it back. And when I gave it back to her, she told me that everything costs money. And I remember that being a very vivid um, memory. Like, you can't just take what you want.
0: Wow. That's yeah. that's a good lesson, that. It was. And in your household, what was money like for you growing up?
1: Uh, it was really tight. My parents um, did not have a lot of money. And I was born um, and kind of came of age in the recession, like the late 80s, early 90s recession. Because how old are you now? I'm 41. Yeah. Yeah, so my parents had gotten into a really bad situation financially with their um, mortgage and I think the interest rates were up around 17% and so uh, every cent that we had was going to pay that mortgage and there was nothing left and everything was was awful. Like I remember being in the sixth grade and being told I needed these like certain coloured tights for the school musical and being too afraid to tell my parents – because I knew that they would try to buy them, but that it would throw our whole budget into a mess. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And they were probably $12 tights.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So with those lessons of growing up, your memory, uh, growing up in a family that, you know, you weren't trust fund millionaires on the lower North Shore of Sydney, what do you think now is your best or worst habit with money?
1: Um, My, I would say I, I'm really nervous about spending money right. still. Uh, even though my financial situation is different than what I grew up in, I really get scared to spend money. Um, th- there's times, like especially if it's over a certain dollar amount, that I will actually feel lightheaded.
0: What, what amounts that?
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say probably anything more than two or $300. Wow. I'm a, I get really scared.
0: What's the most luxurious item that you've ever purchased for yourself?
1: Mm. Ooh. Oh, actually, a leather couch.
0: Really? Yeah. How much was that?
1: Uh, I just bought it recently and it was $3,400.
0: And how, like, how did that make you feel?
1: I actually had to bring friends with me. Really? Because I couldn't do it by myself. Wow. Yeah. I was that scared. Wow. Even though the money was in my bank account, yeah. I was too afraid to pull the trigger unless I had my two friends there that were saying this is, this this is really smart. Yeah.
0: It's a good investment.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Amazing. So Mel is actually an Aussie who's lived in the United States for the last 16 years. Uh, you and your husband, Simon came up here, uh, for a job opportunity. Now in terms of money, how do you think the USA is different in terms of money? Because for me, it's, it's very interesting coming up here because the, Housing prices are so much cheaper. Like you guys, I think you got up to three investment properties and in the house here. Um, what do you think that you can notice is the main difference in terms of money, culture and mindset with the United States and Australia? And while you're thinking, given that, you know, Australian culture and pop culture is heavily influenced by the United States because all the crap we watch on TV is the US – all the music we listen to is the US, so but it is different yeah, on the ground it here.
1: It really is they because uh, I feel like in Australia it's a very speculative market. Like you can make a lot of money pretty quickly in Australia if you're smart. Over here it's different, especially where I live in the Midwest. And in in America there's different regional personalities. And I live in the Midwest of Ohio, so. Uh, most people are pretty conservative with their money. They're very sensible with their money. And, um, and that, coupled with the fact that a lot of them have gotten massive debt because they went to college and they, they maybe borrowed hundred, dollars $150,000, is not abnormal for someone that's 30 years old to have. And it's, it's unsecured debt. It's secured to themselves. Um, but that means they can't then go and buy a house or um, do kind of what they want to do because they're, they're, they're slaving they're away. They're hamstrung. Yeah, they yeah. really are. They're slaving away with this massive debt and they were sold a lie. And so there's a lot of uh, – most millennials in America are really angry because they were told that, the, that college debt is good debt – they were told that. Wow. It's good debt. You're investing in yourself and you're going to make it back.
0: But the problem is those people that have 150k of debt on their college are graduating with forty and $50,000 degree incomes.
1: That's right. And no one kind of sat down and explained that to them. Uh, it was a blanket statement. Of course you go to college. Of course you spend all this money. And then there's this uh, romanticism around the college experience and everyone feels like they need to have this four-year college experience where you pay – To live on campus in a crappy dorm. So
0: with the college, like if someone's got one hundred and fifty k of college debt, it could be that one hundred and ten is the actual education, and forty is just what they've lived off. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Um, it just it costs around the cheapest that I've found because I'm looking for my son right now. It's twelve thousand dollars a year, room and board, just room and board. So if you go for four years, that's fifty grand. Wow. Yeah. Just to live in a crappy, stinky place and eat cafeteria food.
0: So, I guess you guys coming up here, seeing the opportunity with property and looking for your future and looking to set up your financial future well without having that whopping amount of debt, you can walk in and go investment property, investment property, investment property and have three investment properties in your main house.
1: Yeah. We sold our house in Australia and we made, I think, uh, $140,000 profit when we brought it over the exchange rate it turned into 95,000 and we used that 95,000 to buy four homes our wow. home we live in and then three others because they were depo- you know they were great deposits and cuz the homes were all under 150 each we were able to buy four homes
0: so question your current investment property yeah how much is that worth
1: uh the one i'm selling right now yeah it is worth 200000
0: And what's the monthly rent?
1: $1,500.
0: i am just going to do a calculation. And sorry, you said 200
1: 200 yeah, and 1500 a month rent.
0: Yeah, so I've just crunched some numbers. $1,500 a month rent, $200,000 capital price. That's a 9% yield. So in terms of like in Australia, you might only get 4% rental yield. The difference I guess in Australia is you really banking on that capital gain more so than the yield.
1: Yeah. Because I like I guess we're let's go there. Um I'm in the process of selling my rentals right now and I'm only making from what I the purchase price that I bought uh fifteen years ago to now, they've only jumped up in value. Two of them was sixty thousand, and the other one was fifty five thousand. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, so it's a year play. It's a yes. So it's it's in the the every month you're making more money. Yeah.
0: So I guess buying the investment property in the states, yes, they might only cost hundred grand for a good property that's yielding well. Pay that off, and then you've just got an income stream. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, along your. Along the way here, you've had a little side hustle, and if you can hear in the background, you might hear some paws walking around <laughs> down the stairs. Um, tell us about your little side hustle that you started, and you fell into it, did you?
1: We did. We fell into it um, through some friends who are breeders, and they breed dogs, and they were wanting to expand their business, but they wanted to create, um, they didn't want to have a puppy mill type of vibe, so they wanted to... To sell their dogs at a premium price um, and say that they'd been raised in a loving home and a loving family. And so what happened was we ended up falling into this. So we got two mummy dogs that are girls and off they go and they meet their little boyfriend and then they get pregnant. <laughs> and nine weeks later, after the deed is done, uh, you know, normally seven or eight little puppies pop out and we keep them. Uh, for eight weeks, and we play with them, love them, care for them, carry them around, um, enjoy them. And
0: I've been here in puppy time before, and it's just been a ball of fun.
1: <laughs> it's it's organized chaos, but there's nothing that makes you happier than a little fluffy puppy that just wants to snuggle you. And so then what happens is we don't do any of the selling or the advertising. Um, we give those beautiful puppies back to the breeder at eight weeks old, and then we get five hundred dollars a puppy. For taking care of, of them.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, it's a, it's a lot of fun for the kids. Yes. And also a bit of side cash for you.
1: Well, it's great. It, you know, yeah, we average three and a half or $4,000 a litter and I always use that as our um, vacation money. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah. Very nice. So, okay. So, we've just set the scene, I guess, coming till today. So, last year, November, you're out to lunch with friends one Sunday and you got a call. And it was a weird random number, okay? What was this call and how did it change your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, you hear on the movies that one call will change your life, but that literally happened to me. Um, Yeah, my husband was on a adventure, a bicycle adventure through Spain, and he had a heart attack and died. And I was called by the consulate of the US consulate in Spain, informing me of my husband's death at 45.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: yeah, that was that was awful.
0: Yeah. And he had a heart attack. Yeah. On the side of the road basically. Yes. Yeah. So that is just like one call changed everything. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean what what I don't even know how someone can go through that. Yeah. But it's weird. We all will at some point.
1: Yeah, I'm learning that, that um, none of us get off this planet alive and you just like to pretend that that isn't a reality. Mm. But it is. You know, I thought that I would have at least 30 more years with, with him. I really did. I thought that's, you know, 75 sounds like a lovely age to die. Yeah. 45 doesn't. But that's my story mm. and that's what happened in my life.
0: Mm. Um, yeah. So – It's basically almost been a year since Simon died. And I mean, what any death is traumatic when it's unexpected. Someone's in a different country. That's crazy. What was your instant thought?
1: Um, I remember instantly thinking nothing is ever going to be the same again. Yeah. And then my immediate thought was now I'm... Responsible for everything. Mm. It's all on me. Yeah, I've got three kids that are in in school, and my family's on the other side of the world, back in Australia. This is all on me. Mm. The house, you know, our career, which we did together, suddenly on me. Mm. All of my my children and mm. the responsibilities, the bills, everything landed on my shoulders.
0: Wow! Wow! Now and it's funny because I've been, you know, great family friends with you guys for many many years. Um, I know Simon was a spender by nature. He was, and he did it well.
1: He he was probably the best spender out there. He 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 sucked the marrow out of the marrow of yeah. life. If marrow had marrow, he would find it and suck on it. And so spend yes, it. And spend it. He would spend all the marrow. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, you've lived your married life with a spender. Mm-hmm. You've grown up knowing that you have to pay things. You have to pay for things. Things cost money. It's scarce. And by nature, you're a saver. Yes. So, I guess the first thing that people would think, like, what the hell am I going to do financially?
1: Yes. Yes. And I did think that. Um
0: I mean, like, so in that phone call, like, was the first thing like, oh, crap. Second thing, how am I going to tell the kids? At what point do you think, what the hell? How am I going to pay for things? We've just got down to one income instantly.
1: Uh, Because I was the person that ran the money in the house, I thought of that within 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, Because I was at a restaurant, which was just so terrible. Just a, a really terrible situation with two of my children. And so luckily I had uh, family, friends with me. And so the, the guy drove me home in his car and I'm in total shock, but it was before I landed in my driveway, I thought money, mm. what the heck? And um, needless to say, I'll throw this in, uh, his identity was stolen in Spain at the morgue. So, when I went online the next day to check, you know, our finance, we were wiped clean. Really? I didn't know that. That happened too. Yeah. Yeah. So, luckily, we got all that back after a couple of weeks, but it was a disaster. So, on top of finding out my husband's dead, I go on to our bank accounts and everything's gone. Wow. Yeah. So, because, you know, his body was at the side of the road. Yeah. He grabbed his stuff. Wow. Someone went... And had a party. Yeah. They went shopping.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Far out. Yeah. So, I guess it's a – so, you've just landed home. You're thinking, what the heck? Now, thankfully, Simon did have life insurance. He did. And, like, with that stuff, like, was it something that you strategically thought, oh, we need this? Just in case, you know, because it was never happening to you.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. We, it was amazing. Like for being the spender that he was and which, you know, which was, he decided that he wanted life insurance probably eight years ago and it actually came, you know, quite by accident. And we were talking about with someone else who had life insurance and Simon said, we need to get that. We need that. And I was the one that was like, ah, but it's expensive, and I don't know, and so I wanted like a cheapo one. And when we sat down with the guy, my Simon was like, no, I want to get, I want to get a good one, and I want it. So basically, the way he worked it out in his mind yeah. was, I want to be able to pay off the four mortgages because we had four mortgages. He's like, I just want enough that I can pay off those. And they weren't big. Like one mortgage was $80,000, but he wanted enough to pay them off so that if anything happened to him, I would be okay. Mm. Yeah. And I did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I had the the same life insurance.
0: And I guess it's funny because me being, you know, a financial advisor and I've done numerous claims for people who have passed away prematurely, cancer, haven't been able to... Um, work because they've, you know, broken their leg or something like that. I've seen life happen and lives not be financially devastated. So, I've seen the value. So, I'm really trying to have this message out there that we need to insure us and our families just because people will buy a car and get car insurance as a default. Yes. I need to change the culture in Australia that we go straight to protecting ourselves and our loved ones.
1: That's right. And you know what? I agree because like, the, you know, they talk about the different levels of trauma that you can go through and losing your husband and for, in, for the sake of my children, like for them losing their dad, I mean, that's so, uh, that's life altering in a way that, cause it's connected to their identity that in a way that it wasn't connected to me. I'm 41. I know who I am, but they're little kids and you need your dad to tell you who you are. It's mm-hmm. a really important role. And so if if we hadn't had life insurance, we would have had to sell our, our home, our family home, and we maybe even would probably couldn't have bought another home, we would have had to move into a little apartment, uh, which means my kids might have had to move out of their school district, because in the United States of America, you can't just choose where you go, you have to live within a certain area. Um, so, for it to be affordable for us, we probably would have had to move into an apartment not in our suburb, which means my kids would have not only lost their childhood home, they would have lost their friend group from their, their schools. So imagine all the
0: levels of trauma all, psychologically? It, it,
1: down and down and down all the way um, to the worst case scenario, which would have been I would have had to move back to Australia. Not that that's bad, mm. but that my kids didn't grow up in Australia. No. And so, to throw them in an Australian school and they're American – to be living with my parents, you know, and moving in. And th- I went through all of those terrible scenarios mm. and that could have happened.
0: See, I guess the the life insurance, it just takes any type of financial pressure away so that you can be with your kids and grieve without any type of anxiety. Yes. Ter- like Because grief, it's, it's its own beast, isn't it?
1: It is. And I... And I, what my heart breaks for people that are grieving and having to change absolutely everything in their life at the same time because I don't know if I could have done it. I mean, okay, you do what you do when you're in that situation and so, yes, maybe I could have done it, but it would have taken so much out of me Mm. and it would have been something where like I knew – very quickly, when we pulled the life insurance policy out, we looked through it and you were there mm. and you looked through it and you're like, everything is in order. We double-checked that the automatic payment had been coming out every month. We did all of those things. <laughs> and once we realised, yes, we've been paying it every month and here it is, uh, the peace that descended on me in that moment was massive. Because, And then, honestly, I didn't even think about it again and I completely was able to refocus on my kids and on making other decisions. Like what am I going to do about my future? Uh, What is my life going to look like now as a single mum versus a married woman? Mm. Yeah. So it it gave me the mental real estate, if you will, to be able to make other decisions in my life without the fear of money.
0: Or the urgency that we have to do this and we have to make a big decision in grief, because oh, I always yeah. tell people like, and we, we had this discussion yesterday, like, you know, you've got this money, it still might be a year before you actually do anything major with it. Exactly. Um, but just, and people might be thinking like, you know, Simon was a cyclist riding fit. I mean, he was doing a, a ride through the Spanish Alps.
1: Yes. And he was 165 pounds. Right. he was a he was fit and young, yeah yeah,
0: and it just out of the blue heart attack yeah and and you had a, a friend who was a cardiologist in town here have a look at the autopsy was that correct
1: yeah he he's the head of the emergency services for central Ohio, so he basically handles any type of uh, ambulance that comes out fire he he is the chief over all of that. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he had a look and he said, look, this could have happened walking down the street.
1: He said it was inevitable. Yeah. He said that he had about six weeks um, where it would have happened, whether he was exerting himself. He said it just happened six weeks before because he was exerting himself. Wow. But he said it was going to happen in the next six weeks because that blood clot was so big and it was in the Widowmaker artery. Which means, um, yeah, it, it was an inevitable
0: wow, wow
1: that it would have come loose uh, within a certain amount of time.
0: Mm. Yeah. And did you, um, like, did he have travel insurance? He did. And did that help with the funeral costs or the getting him back to it the It was States? the
1: transportation costs because, you know, th- these are the funny things. Like, you never really, like, you have your, in theory, this is the way our life is going to look like. And we'd even talked about, you know, things like, Burial versus cremation, you know, yeah. you have those conversations. And he was always like, cremate me. Yeah. So when he passed away in Spain, I thought, well, he wants to be cremated. But I, I spoke to my counsellor before I left and he said, absolutely not. If you have the money to bring him home, you need to bring him home in full body because your children need to see him. Yeah. Uh, because if if they don't, they're never going to have that connection between – that really is my dad, there is his body. He really died. He goes, they'll think that their dad abandoned them. Yeah. And so he's like, you. if you have the insurance that will enable you to bring home his body intact, do it. Mm. Because that will actually help with their grieving as well.
0: Wow. Yeah. So there you go, kids, get travel insurance.
1: Amazing. And Mm. they did everything. They handled it all.
0: So I guess, you know, what did you do with the money immediately?
1: Uh, Pay off debt.
0: Yeah. Sweet. So then it was like kind of this, the first stage was let's get the money. Second stage, let's get rid of the debt. Yes. And then realistically, because we discussed this at the time, if you didn't do anything for a year, it wouldn't have mattered because nothing actually matters anymore because you've got no financial pressure, you're debt-free. Let's just get on with loving each other and grieving. Exactly. And trying to find our new norm.
1: Yes. And that's exactly what we did. You know, we took a a good holiday back to Australia um, and just just rested for three weeks, which was wonderful. Yeah, And, yeah, we just – there was a very freeing feeling to realise now that I've paid off all of our debt and I own our home, uh, the income that I receive as a, I'm a full-time working mum w- is enough for our family to live well. Mm.
0: And the thing is – and this is the amazing thing, right – With the life insurance, you know, you've actually got the option to continue to work and engage in society. Yes. Or be a full time mum. Absolutely. Or be a part time mum. Yes. Money just gives you options. It does. Along the whole way. And so, another thing you did as well, um, the house needed a bit of work. Yes. And I think while you were in Australia, you basically almost had it fully renovated, like bathrooms, ensuite. So you actually did make it a bit nicer.
1: Yeah, we we were able to invest money into the home. Things that we've wanted to do since we bought it, you know, all these years ago. We, we did a lot of it ourselves, but major things like adding an ensuite where there wasn't one. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't like a weekend warrior kind of adventure. Mm. <laughs> we needed a professional. And so, yeah, so we were able to go away and the professionals came in and basically tore the – Top part of my house off, and when I came home to two brand new bathrooms, which was wonderful. Yeah, perfect. Yeah.
0: So if we fast forward right now, almost been a year. You've come a long way in your grief, and you know, I think you said to me once that you know it's almost like the the scar's still there, but there's just every day there's a small stitch or whatever. Like
1: yeah, yeah, I. I said, you know, that wound, it's a gaping wound. Grief is a gaping wound. Mm. Um, but yeah, every time you progress through a milestone and you don't numb yourself, now that's the point. You don't If you numb yourself and hide away, or you know you indulge in substances or go on big shopping sprees or do something really stupid, uh, nothing happens. You just numb yourself from the wound. Mm. My whole thing with this grief process has been I want to feel everything. Yeah. And for me to feel everything I have to be present for it. Yeah. Um, body, soul, spirit. But every time I'm able to do that, it's like a stitch in the wound. And it's slowly but surely the wound is starting to close. Um yeah, the scar the will always is, be there. The scar will always be there, right? Yeah.
0: So I guess you're you're now every single day since that phone call, you're more lucid basically yes, absolutely so in your current state because you had people and this is the funny thing people always tell you what you should do <laughs> now yeah. and the good thing about having that life insurance money you can actually go hey everyone get stuffed don't actually care about stuff at the moment i care about my freaking kids that's right and through this last 12 months of journey there's been do i sell the investment probably like what do i do it's not that bad and so what did you decide to do you've paid off all the debt what did you decide to do with the properties and with the the capital that's left over? And I'll just say for those at home, when it wasn't a $300,000 life insurance policy. Like, it was real money and Simon really did make sure his family were looked after. Yes. I mean, they're not... On private jets now, and you know it's not.
1: Yeah, i still don't have enough money for a net jet subscription. Yeah, that should have right. been lovely, and they they're right across the road from me, yeah. so that would have been great at the yeah. airport. But yeah. no, definitely not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we were able to sit down and and really the decision that I made, I made a decision to sell our rentals, our three other rentals, and we had always kept them there for retirement. That's you know and. And so our attitude was, we will go through all of the minutiae of ridiculousness with rentals. Uh, right now, I was the rental manager and responsible for re-renting, doing all of stuff. And my husband did all of the maintenance, uh, unless it was something too big. And so we handled it really well because it was the two of us and it was a shared responsibility. When it all fell on my shoulders, I realized for me to carry all of that responsibility, um, it's going to take me away from the things that I actually love to do. And I have a career that I love and I really wanted to, you know, put extra thought and momentum in that. And then I have children that I adore and a home that I need to run. So, really, between those two things, my entire pie is taken up from that. And so, I thought the rentals need to go. I didn't – and, you know, by pie, I mean like the mental pie map of my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I I realized the rentals are probably – taking 30% of mm. my focus and I don't want to do that. So we sold them. Yeah, perfect.
0: Yeah. And so you've put some money away for the kids' education?
1: Yeah. Um, I really wanted the profits for from the rentals between what we owed and what we made uh, to be a gift for my kids because we had three rentals, three kids, that makes sense. So the way we did it was um, – so $50,000 – from each sale has gone into their college fund, and my my attitude was like losing your father is hard enough, um, having to then go to college and get into debt yourself at a, at eighteen years old is even harder and more traumatic. So how about this can be their gift from their dad? Mm. So that really meant a lot to me to be able to to do that for them.
0: Yeah, and now it's a matter of, and again, as at this kind of podcast we were talking yesterday, like. In financial planning, like, it's just about we've got to attack goals and in what order? Now, the goal for you at the moment is to get the kids into college. Yes. And there might be another 10 years of you being mother hen and really doing all that. So that's got to be the main focus. And then the question is, like, the leftover, quote-unquote, money, we need to make sure there's always an emergency fund. That's right. So for the first time in your life... Financially, due to the worst circumstances in the world, you've got no financial stress.
1: Yeah, it's really weird. Um, because yeah, I even as a as a child, my parents lived week to week, and I got married very young and married a spender, and so we lived week to week. Even we got
0: on so well, Simon and I. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, you did. I was so worried when the two of you would go off on your little adventures because you'd come home with new technology. <laughs> and looking smashing with yeah. your new outfits and your yeah. new hats and your new whatevers <laughs> and your new shoes. And I'd be like, oh, mercy, how are we going to do this? And it only worked because I was such a nerdy saver that mm. I could make things work. And But we still did live pretty week to week. And that pressure has always hung over me like a cloud. Mm. And so the feeling right now that I, you know, don't there's there's this terrible meme that goes around that says I just want to be rich enough to... Uh, not have to think if I can afford the extra $2 for guacamole at Chipotle. Yeah. That's my real life. Like I always asked that question before, uh, but now I don't.
0: Mm, But it's weird. The vibe of scarcity Mm. could be there forever. It could. Because the lounge was a recent purchase. It was. And if you drop $3,000 in the street tomorrow, it wouldn't change your life.
1: No. No. But it's but it's in my mind. Exactly. I know the value of money from a scarcity mindset, not a you know whatever the opposite Abundance of scarcity or... is. There we go. Abundance.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, that word. Like, I don't even know what it is.
0: The cash, the cash cow.
1: <laughs> I don't know that. You know, I've never had an emergency fund in my life. Yeah. And it's always been through the skin of our teeth through the juggling of paying bills and, you mm. know, we were never defaulting on anything. We were always really good with our um, bills and the things we owed, but we always just made it.
0: And swinging back to what do we do? Like we've got a house that's basically just been renovated, it's repainted, there's a new roof. That was an insurance job when a tree fell on it a couple of years ago. Like yeah. Like you can actually stay here and be quite comfortable now. Definitely. For 10 years and, you know, there's a basement area for the kids. Yeah. So, in financial planning land, we've got money left over, all our goals have been met, yes. the income comes in, and I asked you yesterday, can you still save money based on your income? And the answer is absolutely, yes, you can. Yeah. So, it's like, well, we've got this lump sum of money, what do we do with it? And this is the dance of, well, we need to make sure future Mel is taken care of, and broadly, she is financially, but... And I don't know the American tax system, but if we're sitting in Australia right now, it would be, well, do we allocate maybe a percentage, 25% to superannuation and lock that away in a tax-effective environment for the very long term? And then the balance, do we put that in an equity portfolio in your own name that can just tick along? Because when you're so young we still have to allow for things that might happen in life. Like you've got a, what, an acre block here or something?
1: I do. I live, the house that we bought on purpose, we loved another, it's on an acre but right next door is another acre that is ours as well that we own. And so we always had a dream of building kind of our dream home on that second acre and it's still there vacant, just, you know, growing my vegetables right now in my little garden but one day we might do something different with it. Yeah,
0: that's right. So we need to have that money because we don't need the money in the short term. No. within five years, so it needs to go to work. But in eight, nine, ten years, if you go, well, the kids have moved out. I want a nice little house myself. Who knows what your life will look like then? Yeah, money gives you options, but we need to make sure we've got access to that money. Definitely. So it's um, it's just a really. I've just sat in situations like this and widows have been left with debt and it breaks my heart and that's why I always harp on. If you're listening to this now and you have a family and you are not insured and it's not even a sales pitch, like (laughs) just do it. Like I I can't sell you insurance but just let me introduce you to someone who can set it up. Like I don't care just – get it sorted and then get on with your life.
1: It's amazing because, you know, in the grief, explaining this to my children because my kids, all three of them uh, were aware that, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, we always met their needs and it was lovely and they never had any financial stress. The way I grew up, I had financial stress. My kids didn't but they knew that every dollar mattered and that it was allocated And so when we were getting the house fixed up and, you know, redoing the driveway, doing all three of them at different times came to me and said, mom, can we afford this? I'm worried. Yeah. And the, the, the amazing thing that I could do was sit down and say, actually, your dad always wanted to do this. I'm not making up ideas. He dreamt about renovating the house like this. And because he got life insurance, he's made it possible. This is actually his way of loving us. And a this life is like insurance a hug.
0: policy is a final love letter.
1: It is a total final. Lo- and I said, this is like your dad hugging you and saying, I love you. Mm. And these are all the dreams that I had for our family home and for the way we we're going to do it. And you going off to college, I- he wanted all of those things for you. He couldn't provide it. Um, but we had him and, and we don't get to choose when we die. So we didn't get to choose his death or the manner of his death. But because he made a decision to get life insurance, uh, that was him saying, if I'm not here, I can still love you in and be the father that I've always wanted to be in the husband, even mm. in my death, that continues on. Mm. And that's a massive gift.
0: And even the fact when it's snowing next and it's miserable, you can get out of the car. Actually, did you know that you've got to do one more thing and you've got total permission to do this financially? <laughs> Put an awning out there. Yes, I, mean, I have looked at that. We've just spent $12,000 on a beautiful <laughs> bloody driveway that we're not – I'm not going to get muddy shoes next time I come here in the winter. That's all right. I think we can do the awning out there.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: So that's my challenge to you because you. I think you need to just do it. Yeah. And – it would yeah. be
1: lovely if we could do that. And I could. Now That's it's right. just one but of those it, things but it's that. thinking through We've it. just
0: got a, you know, money's there. It's not run out and spend it all, but let's just be measured and considered. And um, yeah, I, I think that'd be a good case for that. Just again, just to make your life just that little bit more pleasant.
1: Yes. I think that sounds great. And it, again, it's so hard for me because I'm mm. not a spender. Mm. That's why I need you around, Glenn. You can help me. I would get I'm really good at nervous. You are, and I'm not. I'm terrible at it. You know, like I, I haven't changed my mindset yet, mm. but I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm learning that I need people that know how to, how to help me, mm. to walk me through that and hold my hand and yeah. say, "You can do this. This is worthwhile."
0: Yeah. If there's a single mother listening, or a single father, be it widow, widower, divorcee, divorce, I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, they're they're doing it tough on any front, money, personal, I don't know. Is there anything... Because we've got a unique situation here that we're talking to thousands of people right now. Yeah. Imagine us in a stadium, like we're having a chat with thousands of people.
1: That's crazy. And
0: I always like to do this podcast for the one person who's listening. So, you're a single mum, you've put the kids down to bed, you've got that hour of your time... (laughs) you bloody buggered and exhausted. You're talking to Mel and Glenn and we've, Mel's got something to say to you. What are you saying to her or him?
1: Yeah. What I, I'm saying that you're really brave mm. and that I'm really proud that you're showing up. The fact that you would be listening to this podcast.
0: To try and get encouraged yeah, and learn. It means yeah. that
1: you are not just drowning in your sorrow and it, it means that you haven't given up. And I think that the best gift that you can give your children and yourself is to say, "My best days are ahead of me, not behind me." And grief has a way of, of trying to trap you in a narrative that says, "The best days of your life are behind you," um, with the person that you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with, mm-hmm. and now you're not um, by sometimes divorce or death or um, even disability. Mm-hmm. And I I would like to tell you is that as long as you are showing up every single day with an open heart and a a decision to say, I am going to make the most of this day, you are going to have a beautiful life, um, even if it doesn't look the way that you thought it was going to look. Um, A lot of times we have this mindset of my life is going to be a success if it hits all of these markers. And that's not entirely true. Uh, Your life can be successful even in the midst of deep grief, sorrow, a swerve that happens. You can still have a beautiful life and your kids are the people that are watching you make that decision to live and to keep choosing life and to keep choosing to go forward and to keep dreaming. They need to see you. That's the big thing, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Keep dreaming. Like I always say like with money... It's got to be one eye on today, one eye on the future.
1: That's right. Always. What it, What is right now, you know, and to me, like, I, you know, you might be the person that, you know, you only ever buy something on sale and that was the joke of my kids. They used to stop asking me for stuff because I'd hear <laughs> them say, oh, I want that, and one of my other kids would say, Mom's only going to buy it if it's on sale. And, like, that was kind of the way our family was. But, you know, all of those little 50 cents here and a dollar there that you're saving at Coles or wherever you're shopping at, mm. that actually can add up to be something really special. And, and maybe your goal looks different than anyone else's goal. Maybe your goal is to give your kids a, a great holiday every other year mm. and you're putting that extra $75 that you're saving from your pay packet because you're shopping the sales away and you're just squirrelling it away. Good on you.
0: And on that as well, got to get rid of toxic noises in your life.
1: Oh, explain more about that. Well, like,
0: you know, everyone's got a freaking opinion and I always talk to people and they're doing stuff based on someone else's, they're doing, how can I rephrase it? It's like if you're in that situation and you're doing something just because your parents want you to do it this way because it's best for you because we know, or you've got a friend who's jealous or I don't know what the situation, but yeah. You've just got to remove toxic people out of your life.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I I am amazed um, at how many people outsource their joy to other people um, mm-hmm. because they're afraid of their opinions about them. Absolutely. You know, like, oh, if I don't go out for drinks on a Friday night, um, I'm going to get hell from some of my mates, right? Um, but maybe that's maybe that's 60 bucks that – in three months' time, I can, you know, I can do something completely different with that money, and suddenly I've got a thousand dollars that I didn't have before, mm-hmm. and that's worth more. Maybe that's my emergency fund, and for the first time in my life, I'm not going to be worrying that the hot water heater is going to break down, and I'm not going to know where the money's coming from mm-hmm. because I made a decision not to go out for drinks every night for two months, totally. every every Friday night for two months. Yeah, so. like that. They're, they're those things that really matter. And, mm. and really, in the end of the day, you get to make a decision and decide what your life uh, looks like for you and what a win is. And mm. only you get to decide what a win is, Yeah, you know. So, for me now, the win is my children absolutely navigating this really awful season in their life. Like, I know that for the rest of their life, they're going to remember and look back on this time as a time of, of total confusion and grief I don't want to add financial pressure and stress. Totally. And then and you've you know, kind of
0: at least one thing they can go back to their own bedroom. Yes. In the grief. Yes. It's not a new environment. It's uh, yeah. Their
1: own house, their own bedroom,
0: their own friends. Their
1: friends at their school, which mm. is so important. Mm. All of those none of that had to change even though their dad died, nothing else changed. Mm. And I fought really hard for that and that was my win. Mm. That was my win. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your money story and being brave and looking in from, you know, afar and knowing you. You've, I'm sure each day is a new day and it's its own day and it's a day at a time and it might be that way for some time. It might, I don't know. It's, yeah. You know, you're just doing amazing under these circumstances mm. and I can do anything you know my number. Actually, you, you didn't know my American number the other no, day. No,
1: it actually creeped me out. He said, you said something like, are we hanging out tonight? No. And I'm like, holy crap, who yeah, is this I, mean, I, was like,
0: I was like, yo, what's happening tonight? That's <laughs> right. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, I don't know if I've texted on my American number. No,
1: but, I wrote right back and I'm like, who is this? Uh like, your really, boy Vinny. Oh, my gosh. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But that was better. But, yeah, mm. I thank you and you know what we're doing it and I think that's what family's all about Mm. and friends are all about Mm. we're hearing the good and the bad and the ugly so we're doing it
0: alright thanks Mel thanks Bye 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 If you are after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want somebody to talk to, jump onto sortyourmoneyout.com and click on get help, and I'll be able to put you in touch with an advisor or a mortgage broker who can actually sit down with you or have a Skype or a Zoom meeting and really work out what you need based on your own personal circumstances.
1: My Millennial Money supports A21. A21 is a non-profit organisation that exists to abolish slavery everywhere. These guys rescue real people from human trafficking across the world. If you want to learn more about how you can contribute to the fight against human trafficking, check out a21.org forward slash au.
0: Remember, we hang out on Insta at My Millennial Money. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks anywhere, anytime, right into your ears.